Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. with Sabrina Scott and again Red Wheel Wiser has given me two new copies of Witch Body to give away so part one of the interview I'm gonna give away one book you can comment on my Instagram or the YouTube interview and I'll choose a person to send it to it's open internationally part two same thing and if you've already commented on part one, you can still comment on part two. And it's also going to be on both Instagram and YouTube. So I will see you guys at the end of this interview. Sabrina and I, we had our interview and then we decided to like do like a second part today, like what we're doing right now. And in the meantime, um, I was just going through Facebook and I saw this comment and then one of my really good friends, uh, Naomi, she like definitely was just like, I don't agree with this comment. And then I also chimed in and said, I don't agree with this comment and here's why. And I tagged Sabrina on it. Then Sabrina, she came in and chimed in with her perfect clapback. But I'll let <laughs> Sabrina uh, read that original comment. And uh, by the way, we're not going to mention names, but it's important to read the comment as it is because... I would say like a great majority of witches they feel and totally think this way so like what was even the original article people were having problems with the original article because the article basically said and this is like this chatty tone of like oh you feel like you're not being very magical right now and you go through instagram trying to find inspo everybody was like so caught up on that word oh my god this author used the word inspo you know, but your crystal collection isn't as cool as that girl's and your altar doesn't look as cute. And like, and then people start commenting on that article. So some fucking idiot writes this. Okay, so this is a quote. I did not say this. Yeah. Okay. So I can't even do this. Okay, so quote, who the hell goes on Instagram to find their magic? That is so anti-magic. It's laughable. Full of pretense and vanity. A total fake world. Kids, if you want to find magic, time away from your phone or computer, in nature, or even just with music you love, are good starts. Social media will never take you there. No, I haven't read the article yet, but that's my two cents. I'm shocked anyone thinks online media has anything to do with magic other than bringing people together, and not for competition. We lose it starting at these devices, as may be the point end quote yikes um so i wrote who even are you <laughs> i know and it's not even like are you like spelled out but like the letters like are you <laughs> no and like uh what i commented when i tagged sabrina i basically said well first of all um there's people who are experienced occultists who say the complete opposite of that aiden walker who is one of my favorite uh, magic people he wrote six ways and he even has an exercise in his book 
like totally legit book saying, okay, you know, try to find inspiration in the visuals around you. Like feeling magical has a lot to do with, does it look magical? He was like, that's so important. And then we had our interview where you were just like, everything is magical, you know, cause we're part of the environment. There's no hierarchy. There's no, the pristine nature is the most magical. And then the dog shit on the sidewalk in New York city is the least magical. It's nothing like that. Yeah, no, it's just a fucking bizarre attitude. And, like, to me, it's so, like, out of touch. Like, I don't know if this part of the video, like, suck in the interview from that we did before, but I'll just say it again. Like, I really find that, um, like, when people have this idea of nature as this, like, pristine, pure thing, and, like, whenever anyone works spiritually with the environment, and they, like, are disconnected from the fact that we live in, like, post-capitalist environmental catastrophe where everything is polluted and everything is dying. <laughs> I'm just like, what What are you doing? You know, like, that person, like, who is an idiot, like, probably, like, whenever they start their little cir- elemental circle thing and they, like, all hail to the guardians of the north, etc., cetera, uh, and they, like, picture Earth or whatever, like, they probably are picturing this pristine, pure, essentialized thing that, like, doesn't even actually exist. Right. And so hey, that's such a huge fucking problem. And like, to me, it's also like, okay, like most of us don't live in the middle of like a pristine lake or forest or whatever, like pristine nature doesn't even exist at all. And so like, so then what happens to the rest of the places? Like what happens about like where we spend all of our time, like in our house, our apartments, you know, in a suburb, for me, it's in the middle of the city. Like, if all of that stuff becomes irrelevant and, like, dirty and, like, not magical, then, like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, to me, it's just, like, I don't get it. Like, why be engaged in a spirituality that's ultimately alienating from, like, your daily surroundings? Like, to me, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Like, yeah. I think that a lot of witches, they, um, they get really caught up in, like, nature like you have to go into nature to be magical like you have to go into the woods and like um i don't know there's a very hippy dippy-ish sort of attitude to it and that's one of the reasons why for a long time i was like not really into like witches because i was just like well personally i like the city personally i find a lot of joy and vitality and the urban jungle i'm not a huge nature person to be perfectly honest so oh i guess that i'm not as magical yeah, which is fucked. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people just do that to create this, like, weird, like, I'm better than you, like, I'm more moral, high ground than you because I like nature. And then their definition of nature is also based on something that doesn't even exist anymore, if they even ever did. And so that, to me, is just so bizarre. Like, how sad is it to not know how to connect spiritually with, like, the city or with skyscrapers or with, you know, anything? Like, to me, that sounds actually quite depressing. Like, if you only know how to be spiritual in a forest, like, okay, so I guess you can only be spiritual on your vacation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just so, like, nonsensical to me. Like, it just, it's not, for me, what this practice is about, is it needs to be relevant to, like, where we are all the time. For me. Exactly. And also, yeah. this sort of anti-technology, Luddite, um, woo-wooing, of like um, a lot of magic people sort of like the old way is better technology there's something evil about technology 
And there's this demonizing of technology and of social media that I find, I don't know, I just find like really ironic considering all the complaining about social media happens on social media. I don't know. That thing on Facebook, it's like, girl, what do you think you are? (laughs) What are you doing? Like, aren't you supposed to be frolicking like in the meadow somewhere? I don't know. Yeah, Um, exactly. Like without a phone, like it's just, and I'm going to read that comment again, actually pull it up just so I can look at it. It's so fucked up. And a lot of people, yeah, like, were agreeing with it, which I feel like is so insane. That's dangerous. To me, that's a very dangerous way of thinking because, first of all, I think yeah. it's also a little bit vaguely classist, oh, you know? Well, 100% classist. And so if we look back into the history of contemporary, like, neo-pagan witchcraft in the West, like, we can trace it to, like, you know, German romanticism in, like, the 1800s and all that stuff. Like, we can trace it, like, a little bit earlier on to like the 1700s really but that's kind of when it really started and it was like a class-based thing it's like who the fuck has time and money to go chill in the middle of nowhere rich people right and so at that time like in the 1800s like i think london england was the most populated city in the world actually mm-hmm. and so there was like this big rise of cities there was the rise of industrial revolution the rise of industry the rise of the literacy right so what you see is a lot of more people are reading books, a lot more people are living in cities, a lot more people are like working in, in industry. And so what does that mean? It means like you have like a lot of impoverished people living and working in the middle of a big city and then who has access to the whole like nature thing, the countryside, it's the rich people running all the industry. And so that's the origin of actually like a lot of this stuff, like this romanticization like of nature, this idea of nature that's not even criticized or like defined. Like how can we really separate it even? Right? Like what even counts as nature? Like to me that's such a weird dichotomy to pull. Because like aren't isn't everything kind of nature and everything kind of environment? Like we're all interconnected beings, like collaborating together in this space whether we are like organic or like mechanical that's like maybe another thing to think about but like this nature slash non-nature thing i feel like is just like completely vile and like, i think it has good intentions but it's also like really fucked up because it also basically in it inherently suggests that some bodies and beings are not worthy of spiritual engagement mm. and for me that's like so fucked up like, oh, if it's the city or if it's concrete, we can't be spiritually engaged there. This being, because it's concrete, is not worthy of spiritual attention, is not worthy of an offering, is not worthy of a conversation. Like, to me, that's so, like, horrible. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like so disgusted by that idea. Completely. It reminds me a lot of, you know, there are some really amazing um, voodoo priestesses priestesses who are living in like deep Brooklyn, you know, New York City, and they're doing amazing magic and they're not going into the forest or anything like that. They're in the middle of probably like some sort of like, I don't know, just like a place where even the trains, you know, they don't really go into in the city. A lot of this talk about this pure nature and stuff, besides it being classist, it also is a very specific like a very specific type of magic that deals with and really only in a way benefits like the certain idea like you were saying about almost like um what was it i'm trying to remember our conversation we were talking about that madonna horror complex right yeah completely yeah so it's like 
yes, of course, you know, like almost like black magic, no, but like this, like, you know, like this priestess who's like dressed in white, like dipping into a lake with her like pristine white skin, you know, coming out of it and stuff like that's sort of magic, you know what I mean? Versus everything else, that sort of like city, urban, dark. Yeah. That's like looked down on. Yeah, completely. It's it's fucking weird, man. And like, also like going to do magic in the middle of the woods. Like, I can't actually think of anything less practical than that. Like, in a previous life, I did a lot of modeling work and like a lot of like stupid nude modeling in forests and shit. Like, I cannot handle it. Like so stupid things you do for money when you're 18 but um like what did what can I tell you from that is like doing anything without like being fully covered with like clothing and shoes and whatever in the forest like you're gonna get a million bug bites you're gonna get scratches grapes everywhere the most crazy bullshit ever and it's based in this weird like masculine straight boy fantasy like I feel like no women ever came up with that shit <laughs> want to go frolic in a forest naked naked in a forest horrible i know <laughs> right nightmare like it sounds terrible like i would want to have like full clothing on full everything and so it's weird to me to see like a lot of women who are in witchcraft now like pushing these ideas and these aesthetics of like what is witchcraft and they they're like naked in a forest and it's like skinny white chicks and it's like why are we still pushing these images like this doesn't make any fucking sense I, I don't know anyone who does this I would rather die than do that do you know what I mean it's just so this weird like essentialization of like the divine feminine that I find just like completely bizarre like to me like I remember one time I jumped a fence to like give an offering to like the some entity that was like with the crossroads kind of and uh like I was wearing like you know, boots and, like, jeans and, like, a dirty hoodie, and, like, to me, I, like, that was such a magical, like, powerful, like, witchy moment uh, Mm. for me, and, you know, like, creeping out to see, make sure no one's around, like, making sure I get in, get out, say my prayer, do my thing, and get out, like, but it's where I live, it's my environment, It's, it's the city, it's, you know, on the train tracks, it's in where I live, and to me, that is, so magical and like being in the city like we see so much cool growth like in those liminal spaces like the dandelions pushing up between like the sidewalk uh cracks you know like I love I love that type of thing like to me that's so so badass like to notice that type of stuff like where we really see this marriage of both like built and organic environment like I love that, that type of thing like to me there's such potency there like that's where like the big hype energy is Right. And speaking of technology and magic, I use technology and magic all the time. Like, you know, like, especially during like specific Mercury transits, because Mercury has a lot to do with communication. Um, I'll put like a Mercury glyph as the screensaver on my phone. You know, like I will do I'll like there's on my YouTube channel. There's private videos that I've put up that nobody will ever see, but they're kind of like offerings to Mercury because he rules that sphere so i mean let's not limit magic to what they were doing you know even like 50 years ago when the internet wasn't invented but the thing is is that like yes grimoires are important yes like tradition's important but when the world is so radically different let's try to imagine more like what these 
writers of the grimoires, these cutting edge, out of the box thinkers oftentimes, what they would do now versus in the context they were in when they didn't have anything close to the internet, what they did then. And I wanted to show a panel of your book that actually discusses this. So you have this panel where it's like these skyscrapers and you wrote here, <laughs> reveling in, quote, the mystery of organic nature, end quote. Always positioned as, quote, other, end quote, does no real new work. Isn't it more refreshing to reorient? Reposition mm -hmm. our frame of reference to consider how mysterious, strange, and alien the accoutrements of our daily lives already are. What about mm -hmm. learning to notice? What about learning to be in wonderland amazement and curiosity with the mundane materialities around us rather than escaping them? These bodies we've oriented ourselves not to notice. And the fact that they're by these skyscrapers, yeah, it's like, you know, when I read this panel, the reason why, and I had bookmarked this, like, before our first interview, so this is before this, like, stupid comment about, like, nature and magic. Yeah. The reason why I had bookmarked this, this was because I remember the song from Erasure, which is one of my favorite bands, and the lyrics of one of their songs, which is a love song, it starts off with, tempered by greed, tall buildings breathe, Give a sigh of relief when it's night. Artists, you know, people who are totally looking outside the box. They're looking up at skyscrapers during like the dawn when it's completely empty. Like New York City, like when you go outside at like three, four in the morning in the business districts, it's completely empty. And you look up at these buildings and some artist saw beauty in that and saw the building sigh with relief. And as he's looking there, these buildings remind him of love. That's and he's so able to do that. And to me, that is what's magical. I think that's so fucking beautiful. And like so perfect and spot on. And like, I, I love that so much. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's fucking cool. Um, but I feel like people interested in magic ideally like should be thinking that way like maybe that just kind of makes me like a bit of an asshole who's like trying to you know create boundaries around magic and maybe that's kind of a mean thing to do or whatever but like how boring is it actually to live in a world where like only trees are like magical like that sounds shitty actually like to be so uncreative and so unperceptive that like most of the world you just see as like dead or inert or just like dull. Like to me that's so depressing. Like cause I look outside and like right now I can see like the backs of a bunch of houses. And, like to me it just is beautiful. It's beautiful and it's full of life and it's got so much energy and potency and it's always changing and it's just, there's a peace to it and an energy to it. and. It's just gorgeous. And I feel like when people only know how to be attentive to, you know, something that looks more like them, it's more relatable, it's like animate, animate in some human mm -hmm. like whether that's the growth of plants or animals or whatever, it's more relatable to people. So then people are like, oh, okay, this is where spirituality lives. But to me, like one of the coolest things to do is to 
be able to see spirituality in like the stuff that is the least relatable. The stuff that's least like us. Like I'm not like a skyscraper <laughs> at all. You know, it's like hard and shiny and like flat and like gigantic and big and I'm like none of those things. Um, but to be able to look at something that's so outside of my own experience and just to wonder what the experience of that being is, what kind of life does that being have? How can we like make kinship together and like collaborate together in, in the world? Like to me, that's like where it is. Like that's the spark of this work. Mm. To me, that's like I love that. Like, and that's potential. That's openness. That's seeing like the gorgeousness and the vitality of literally everything around us this is such an important thing to underline re-underline and basically like burn into your brain which is the fact that we are part of nature and everything that we see and experience is also part of nature it didn't come out of nothing right it all came from even the most plastic thing that we have i don't know like, this is my Japanese sunscreen. It's like in this plastic thing. It's like, you know what I mean? And it's like a chemical, like it's a chemical sunscreen as well. So this is like not like natural, like a hundred years ago, even 20, maybe even five years ago, it didn't exist. But yeah. is this not from nature? Where did it come from? It came from a plant that was derived into some sort of chemical, which was like turned into something else. It has nature in it because everything is nature every single thing and like there's actually another panel in your book that i bookmarked like before here it is <laughs> look at you i i think that this is like you right it is yeah yeah <laughs> oh look at you yeah it's so, like me and like actually at that table right now <laughs> that you see it was just hilarious and like that's like me hopping out and you can see the houses that I'm actually looking at this exact second. And this is like a scene where I'm lighting incense as an offering standing on my roof, which is like, I'm just overlooking a flat roof right now. So it's pretty cute <laughs> to oh see my that God. while literally outside, yeah. So in a way, this is like kind of meta because this is like you, yeah. but this is like you as well. Oh my God, okay. So <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah, I'm looking out that exact same window right now too. That's so wearing like this similar outfit. Yeah, it's funny. That's so it. amazing. And not only that, this panel is like saying like everything that we're saying right now, the topic. And this is just amazing. Like what Sabrina writes here. Um, those doing pedagogic work don't have to direct their charges outside in order to give students access to nature. Everything is and isn't nature. When we rely on going outside to teach and tell environmental stories, we are missing the point. We forget how mysterious everything that surrounds us is. The mundane is alien and special and strange and wonderful. Environment is concrete, slabs, plywood, piles, glass windows, steel, exhaling, smog, sidewalk, dandelions. What can it mean to be present here, to collaborate, to build relationship, to find affection and sensation in these spaces with these bodies? Yeah. That's what you that's said. That is That's what you said. Love it. Love it. So, I mean, right now, I feel like this is such a magical moment because this is such a meta moment as well. You're here. I'm lighting incense right now, too, and also a group of three. So it's kind of like, 
talking Funny. about <laughs> this exact thing. Yeah. So that's the thing too, is like, I didn't even really plan that like at all. Like this is just so a part of my daily life that it's like, yep, just going to be hanging out, burning incense, having a chat on the Skype, you know? It's like, it's not contrived. I'm just literally, this is what I do. In Japanese culture, there is this aesthetic sense of making things look like charming, like oddly charming, but like it like doesn't totally belong and that's what makes it charming, right? So for example, there's this one story of, I think it was a monk. He knew that it was going to snow the night before, but he decided because he knew he was going to have a visitor come the next day. Mm. So the little stone pathways that were leading up to his hut, they were like kind of circular in design. So he cut out these like cushions to match these things. So he covered them. And so the snow fell, but then he like took off the like coverings, like when the snow stopped. So when the visitor came, he was like, everything's covered in snow except these perfect round steps leading to the hut. I love that so much. Right, so it's like not natural. And yet the effect of the artificial, that little touch of artificial in this nature made it incredibly charming. There was thought and there was contrivance and there was effort to create that as well. So I think that's what a lot of people get hung up on. It's like they, I think a lot of people, they think that nature is natural. There's no effort involved. You just go out there and you're just being one with nature versus maybe in an urban environment, it feels like, you know, like, it is a little bit more like filled with effort. But for me, that is magic. Magic is not just letting things happen. Magic, there's a certain sort of oomph you put into it that is inherently effortful. Oh, totally. Yeah, and like it's full of intention. Yeah. Like what's wrong with having intention? And the other thing like I think is bizarre that people don't often think about, and like I don't know that much about like nature, <laughs> so maybe this is like not completely true, but I feel like people who work like on farmland and who are engaged with like conservation of like natural areas, like there's so much effort that it takes in order to like maintain the biodiversity, to maintain all the plants, to kind of like keep the predator populations like in a way that doesn't totally decimate everything. Like there's so much intention and control and like contrivance to use that word and like artificiality Mm. uh, behind like maintaining that like ecological equilibrium right and so it's interesting so like one of the scenes in the book actually here is back I went um, camping uh, with some folks who were friends of mine at the time not anymore but um, there was maybe four of us and it was like I'm a city person like I don't camp so I didn't really know what to expect but I thought we were going to be in like the full on middle of nowhere but we weren't in the middle of nowhere. We were, like, on the side of the road in, like, a campground. So, like, we could see the highway. I was just like, where the fuck? Like, what is going on here, first of all? That was, like, what the fuck? And then the second thing was, like, that we could see the folks next to us. Their little camper thing. They had their tiki torches and their, like, beer coolers. And they were, like, literally a few meters away. And I was like, okay. So, like, they're, like, six feet away. And then, like, I remember walking to the bathroom at one point and seeing this like dead carcass of an animal like on the pathway and I was just like cool (laughs) (laughs) but but like the point of me telling this story is that like within an hour or so that was cleaned up it's like the park people had come to like 
remove that and like put that elsewhere so it's like because it would have like disturbed the guests in the campground or whatever and so it's like to me that was such an interesting moment because it's like everyone goes to this campground because you want to be in nature uh but then like nature involves death of animals nature involves decay nature involves you know unpleasantness and like blood and gore and all of these things like nature involves like survival and violence and yet the camp like removed that from like the camp goers experience of like what nature is and so I found that to be like a really interesting moment in terms of thinking about like how do people choose to experience like what nature is or can be and this movement away from seeing nature as like tainted or bad or violent or whatever and so that was like, a really simple act of curation that was quite intentional and quite artificial <laughs> actually uh in order to kind of like create this really bizarre idea of like what it means to go like out in the woods i thought it was like so fascinating and like weird i thought it was so weird that's so Christian in a way to say if nature is like the only place, if, if you're thinking nature is the most magical and most awesome place, then it's almost like instead of nature, what you're talking about is Eden. Yeah, totally. You got to go back to Eden to do magic. Yeah, it's really fascinating, actually. It's like I wasn't raised Christian, so I actually don't know that much like Christian references. I probably should learn some just to get like cultural stuff, but... It just seemed to me like odd, right? It's like people want to go to nature, but they also don't want to deal with death. Mm. And I just found that odd. And then the park system had created a way to make sure that people don't have to deal with death. So they can have like a very manicured experience of what nature is. And then it, ho- it also creates this nature as a pedestal in their head where they don't associate nature with death or dying or guts on the ground. Mm. like hilarious and weird kind of it's like animals kill each other like welcome to the world like (laughs) it's just bizarre i mean like right now i'm wearing my sister gave me her marilyn manson shirt nice (laughs) (laughs) and um i feel as though one of the things that i really appreciated about marilyn manson was his beautifying and glorifying of that which we usually want to hide away which is the grotesque, the death, the decay. This is like okay, Jesus yeah. basically on the cross rotting. Yeah, totally. Which would have happened. Which, which definitely like, would have happened. No one, no one thinks about that shit. Which exactly. I find like so crazy. And so, like especially when we see magic right now, like this wasn't the case in the 90s, like that I can recall. Like maybe someone can correct me on that. But I feel like the 90s witch fluffiness, like it still wasn't as like, you know, woo-woo fluff as it is today. Like, I feel like there was room for death within magic. Like, there was room for shadow in the 90s, even in, like, the new 101s, in a way that, like, I don't see any mention now of, like, death and decay and, like, unpleasantness and, like, blood and all of that stuff, like, which is just a part of life. Like, you can't go through life and not experience any of that like I don't think it's possible yeah. and like even something as beautiful as birth is like full of blood and like screaming <laughs> and shit a lot of or women when, 
Yeah, yeah, a lot of women when they give birth, they're pushing. So guess what? They're gonna shit. Totally, and it's That's like the most it. disgusting thing. But like, it's also this like act of creation, and it's beautiful and it's disgusting. And so, I think like to me, like whether we're talking about nature or like life or whatever, like magic and its understanding of those things like needs to understand like this dichotomy. And to be cool with that. And like I just feel like whoever is like learning magic now, oh god, like good luck with that. And like then you have people like that person who commented on Facebook and like that person did not look like she was in her twenties. I didn't totally creep or anything, but like she looked like, I don't know, forty from the thumbnail. Mm-hmm. And so that person is like a high priestess in some fucking coven, like oh god. Like I feel bad for whoever the hell is in that group. Mm-hmm. Like I left from this person, they're like causing you know, I'm sure a lot of shame and like guilt feelings in whoever is working with them. You know, if they've created this brand new, like pure bad dichotomy within witchcraft, which never fucking had that in the first place ever. Mm-hmm. Like that's a weird Christian fucking hangover. But you see a lot of people in the in North America anyway, like rejecting Christianity, going to neo-paganism and bringing all of their fucking BS yeah. into it's like a weird paradigm. Like, I don't get the pure, dirty paradigm. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's never made sense to me. Oh, oh my God. I'm so glad that you're you're bringing all this up and that you wrote a book that's basically bringing all this up as well. Like, I'm like, as you're speaking, like, I was like, kind of like, just flipping through the pages, right? Like, I almost feel as though, like, you can just like, every day, decide, okay, I'm just gonna uh, stop here. And then you can read the panel and what it says. And I just stopped right here at this panel. So the panels right before for context is you're basically picking up flowers that are perfectly nice, but like kind of like dumpster diving. Yeah, I am dumpster diving in that. Yeah. yeah so that's, I'm actually dumpster diving at a funeral home. At a funeral home, guys. So it's like, you know, kind of breaking all these taboos, but it's like you were called to do it i mean they're beautiful flowers and they had a lot of meaning i think because they are from a funeral home they're dealing with death and then here you are like basically repurposing them for magic because they were so magical to begin with and this is like in the city in the trash guys in the trash <laughs> yeah and like i still do that periodically like you know like whenever i happen to walk by and see some and they're like brand new fresh flowers been like out out of viewing or whatever for maybe a few hours and that's it like and you know of course I asked the spirits like that those were dedicated to like is this like for permission and consent and like I've never gotten a no from from that particular funeral home yet like I'm sure maybe at some point I will um but that hasn't happened yet Mm. and so like I think there is a beauty there and like an honoring of so many aspects of life and death because I think like, some people might be like oh well like those those flowers like why would you use that in your own work it's like been around the dead and I'm like dude like I work with the dead that's like what I do so like I'm not afraid of that at all like it's it's cool I feel like spirit they don't see what we as humans biologically like we're we're programmed to avoid death because you know survival instinct but I don't think spirits see it in such like a way like we do because they don't have that same biological programming obviously because they're not in a body totally 
Yeah, like from my experience, um, I would say spirits are just happy to be acknowledged half the time. Um, so I think a lot of people have forgotten how to do that. So guys, like this book, I mean, it's slim, it's easy to travel with. Like when I was on the train yesterday, like traveling like for four hours, like, oh. It was nuts, but you know, like, this was easy to just throw in my purse because it doesn't really weigh anything. If somebody was feeling uncomfortable about reading an occult book, it looks like it's a graphic novel. So, you know, a lot of people, they don't want the whole world to know. So there's that. Now I've probably looked through it like three or four times. And you mentioned in the book that this is one of those works where every time you look at it, it's going to be a little bit different. Totally, yeah. You know, and today the topic was about this entire weird dichotomy of nature versus what's not nature and what's magical. But maybe if we were like on another sort of like salty kick, like somebody else pissed <laughs> us off and we were talking about something else, maybe we could have seen that same panel with the skyscrapers in a different way. Totally. Um, so yeah. in that sense, for such a, you know, like an accessible book, there's a lot of layers in it. So I don't see this as just like, oh, you just read it once and then you put it away, you know, like a comic book. Yeah. This is a spiritually empowered and layered book in a lot of ways as well. You know, like you can see it that way. I definitely see it that way. And, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it for myself, right? And like, that's it. And people happen to be into it. And so like, it's not catering to anybody like I didn't make it to cater to an audience I just wanted to like spew my feelings and like shake it out of my body you know like it's an artist thing I guess you just have to just get out get something out yeah just is like an exorcism if you had to choose three songs that describe you and your magic what would they be what sort of three. songs do you use when you're doing ritual recently Recently, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm like really bad with song names, but okay, some favorites recently. So, um, this is so cliche, but like the Screaming Jay Hawkins version of I Put a Spell on You. Ooh. But his version of that song is so much more like, it's just got this fire to it that is, to me, it reminds me of like that kind of like being possessed by the spirit feeling like when you just like are doing your vibe in a ritual like I love that Nina Simone for sure though fuck what is that one song uh feeling good I love that song by Nina Simone it's like a really magic song um and then <laughs> lately I've been listening to a lot of um Sicko Mode by Travis Scott <laughs> It's like my jam, like right now, and like, yeah, I'm like really feeling that song lately. And so, like, that's I listen to like a lot of rap and hip hop, and so that is like what I'll listen to if I'm like getting in the zone, or like those other two folks. I would say, like, that's all my, that's, like, my main energy right now. You know, yeah. a lot of people, they think that, you know, like, they're not allowed to listen to rap music or, you know, or, yeah. like, you know, more like, I don't know, like, music that has curse words and stuff in it when they're doing magic, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> no, because, like, especially hip-hop and, like, that song in particular, like, you know, if you're trying to, like, get geared up to, like, kick some ass, like... 
that song, Sycamore like, is amazing. Like, it's all about being a badass and, like, you know, fronting on your shit and, like, mm. you know, you only need to do. And uh, I think, like, you know, we can always decode, like, a lot of song lyrics as being, like, kind of sketchy around, like, women and whatever. And, like, I get that. But, like, the feeling and energy of that song to me is just so, like, potent, like, you know getting into that kind of like empowered headspace to really like start some shit and that's generally like to me a headspace that I sometimes do want to be in if I'm doing work. So what are some upcoming projects for you? Oh my god, okay, so I just finished um, my term of teaching at a university. Mm-hmm. Huge illustration theory, God help me, and uh, I just graded like 150 sketchbooks, which kicked my ass. Um, and I feel like a little bit more grading to you, but that's all very boring. But once that's done, I'm going to be like fully 100% devoting my time to my next book, which is about working with ancestors. So it's going to be called Ancestor Work, and it's coming out with Wiser next spring, hopefully. So it's the same publisher as did Witch Body. So it's going to be kind of same format, graphic novel type of vibe. Um, same, yeah, same type of energy. Like, it's not going to be like a like a how to do this then do that it's going to be like very kind of philosophical thoughtful like also some kind of autobio vibes like like which body is it's very much like following me through my practice but this one is going to be more specifically around like that spirit work that ancestor relationship and how the fuck do we do that like what are some things to think about what are some things i'm grappling with stuff like that so I'm going to spend the next few months writing that, and then a few months after that, drawing the fuck out of it. Also working on a pitch for a third book, which will be like a one-on-one. It's going to be a more like instructional, like less poetic, more like, hey guys, you want to do some stuff? Here's the steps on doing the stuff, which is going to be kind of hopefully like touch wood. Like my antidote to all the bullshit being published right now, which is like really not teaching anyone anything. And I've heard from so many people who have been like trying to practice for like a decade and yet they still feel like beginners and I feel like that's a problem that I want to try to fix uh, with that book. So that's in like very early pitch stages right now. I probably shouldn't even be talking about it, but I am, so whatever. So that's like my next few things that's that's happening. And I'm just like offering readings and spell work all the time. So if anyone cares about that, holler. <laughs> and of course, I will put all the links down below. Um, yay! Oh yeah, and I have a Patreon, I guess, that like has my writing on it. Yeah, I'm like not very good at saying this shit, but that's a thing that I have also. Well, Sabrina, I hope that when your next book comes out that you'll come back on the show. Oh man, totally, I'd love to. So we can discuss, and thank you so much for spending this time going over this book. And guys, I love this book. It's beautiful. It's deep. It's accessible. It's not fluffy whatsoever. It's an incredible compliment to any magic book that you have. And I think that especially if you're lucky enough to have a daughter, a niece, a neighbor, um, a son, a nephew, just anybody who's like starting off on their magic journey and would love to introduce them to magical thinking that is deeper, wider, more expansive, and ultimately more liminal and thus more magical than the average witchcraft book, average witchcraft, I would even say average witchcraft thought that's out there, this book would be an incredible first book, second book, third book for them. Thank Thank you you so much, Sabrina. Thank you, it's been such a pleasure. 
Okay, thank you for coming on this witchy mind meld thing with Sabrina and myself. So again, Red Wheel Wiser, they have kindly donated two copies and part one of the interview, I was gonna give away one copy and this is part two and I'm giving away the second copy. So, okay, for this one, the question is, what does it mean to be a witch for you? Because we all know, and after this interview with Sabrina, I think that we all should internalize that being a witch is not something a book can tell you. It's not something that even a teacher who you're very, very close to, simpatico with, they can't tell you either. It's something that you need to discover on your own. So yes, on my Instagram, I'm gonna put the link down below, or on YouTube, or both. Double entries are totally fine. Please write down what being a witch means to you. And again, there's probably gonna be lots of amazing, amazing comments. So I'll just take a bunch of them and randomly choose a winner. It can be anybody anywhere in the world. It's open internationally. So good luck and thanks again, guys. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.